our service here this morning at Forest Fold. It's so good to have you with us. If you couldn't make it, welcome if you're watching online. Just a couple of uh, notices before we begin. Um, if you are hoping to come to the women's retreat, uh, do sign up for that by the end of today. It'd be good to hear from you if you'd like to sign up for that today. Um, and also the men's event is uh, planned for a bit later in September. Not long now though, so do speak to James Russell about that to book in uh, for that event. And also we'd love to have you uh, come and join us for lunch, fellowship lunch, next Sunday after the morning service. And again, please sign up for that today and uh, what food that you can bring along. Thank you. Well, what a week it's been. A new Prime Minister, the death of our Queen after so many years, and a new King. A lot's happened this week. And we'll give thanks for the life of our Queen a bit later as we pray. Uh, Many who are close to her will feel the loss greatly. But there are thousands of us who never knew her but felt some kind of connection to her as she reigned over us. Uh, So it is a time of loss and sadness for our country and for many across the world. But I thought as Christians, uh, as we look ahead to the funeral a week Monday, it would be really good for us to pray for that time. There will be great respect and great honour shown to her, and rightly so. But the big question is... Will the millions of people across the world hear the gospel? That's the big question. And Justin Welby has been given by God possibly one of the biggest opportunities to preach the gospel to millions of people. But will he? So really pray that he will faithfully preach the truth of the gospel, the message that the world needs to hear, and that people's lives will be changed at this time. So it would be good to pray for that throughout this coming week. Well, let's pray as we begin now, shall we? We are a moment. You, Lord, are forever. Lord of the ages, God before time. We are a vapour. You are eternal. Love everlasting, reigning on high. Holy, holy Lord God Almighty, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Highest praises, honour and glory be unto your name. Lord God, we have lost a number of friends and family in this year already of different ages, which reminds us of the uncertainty of our life. We've also lost our Queen, who lived A great long life, but even a long life is soon over. We may come this morning with other struggles and strains and stresses and difficulties in our life. So we are so thankful for the Lord's Day. This opportunity to meet together and to find that the eternal God is our refuge. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for your word, and we pray that as we hear it preached today, that you would help John and Mark to preach your word to us. Lord, we pray that you'll give us ears to hear, and hearts to respond in faith, and love, and obedience. Amen. Well, let's sing praise to God in our first hymn together. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. O my soul, praise him. 
Let's stand and sing. And then after this, uh, Peter Turner and Josh Young will lead us in our time of prayer.
Shall we come together before the Lord in prayer? Our sovereign, eternal God, Lord of Lord and King of Kings, and our Father, we come to you this morning to uh, bring you our worship, and we know that all our times are in your hand and all events at thy command. And what a week it's been, a week of change, and yet all these things are in your hands. And we come this morning with a mixture of emotions, sadness, a feeling of loss, a feeling of perhaps grief uh, uh, at the death of our long reigning queen, and yet uh, also great thankfulness for her life as we reflect upon it. Uh, Her queen was born into great privilege, uh, great uh, wealth, and she lived a life uh, which was very faithful to you, and we'll think of that, uh, I'm sure, today. Uh, She lived a life of duty. She took on that great responsibility at such a young age, at the sudden death of her father. And for 70 years lived a life of, of, of great faithfulness to you, of great duty, of service to the, to the nation. She was an example to so many of us of what it is to serve willingly, sacrificially, and with great discretion and kindness and thoughtfulness and wisdom. And uh, we have so much to be thankful for, uh, for her life, leading this nation, being a, an example not only for this nation but throughout the world. As, as we realize now, so many people, so many leaders, so many nations uh, think, thought, thought so highly of her because of her character and the way that she lived out her life, her public life before so many. We're just thankful to you, Lord God, for the provision of her for, for this nation, a nation that's uh, seen so many changes over the 70 years of her reign. Uh, we can't really grasp the full extent of those changes, and yet she was that constant point, that constant stability. Um, and as we think of that, we think of, of you, who, who are even more uh, stable, never changing, uh, that one God that we can put our trust in. And we just thank you for her faith. It was that God-given faith. You gave her that grace through, the, through your grace. You brought her to a saving knowledge of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ, which she expressed so often in her broadcast that went not just to this nation but around the world. Uh, she did preach the gospel in a quiet, unassuming way, but she spoke often of her Lord and her Savior, who she served. And uh, it is that example that we uh, treasure so highly, that to have uh, such a a Christian example at the centre of our national life was such a great, great privilege. And we do pray that as uh, the world reflects on her, that they will think of the Lord that she served and think of him as well as her, we pray. And so we just give you grateful thanks for her life. We we think of her uh, as a mother as well, a mother and a... uh, uh, a wife, uh, she lived uh, that family life as well. Uh, we just think of her family as well at this time and uh, her son who's now the king, which uh, we will be remembering shortly. And uh, so we do just thank you for her life. We, we thank you as well of our dear sister here, Kathleen, whose funeral it is this coming week. Uh, not known uh, much beyond 
the confines of her family, perhaps locally, certainly not known worldwide, and yet she lived a similar life in a way, a life of faith, a life of service, a life of love and care. And so we honor her life as well. And we just pray for comfort for her family and indeed her friends and family in this church as we lay her to rest later on this week. Uh, so be with us. We just, we just thank you for both of these lives, uh, great lives to uh, think about and to perhaps emulate as well in some way. Uh, following the Lord Jesus. We pray that we can live lives similar in a way, humble lives that uh, speak of our Lord Jesus Christ and uh, upon which our lives are based. So all these things, we just give you grateful thanks through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Lord, we pray now for the new um, leadership that we have in our country. We pray for our new king. We pray for the new Prime Minister. Lord, we pray that, that by your grace they would be um, good leaders for this country. Lord, we pray that they would make decisions which are, by your grace, are wiser than we would expect. We pray that they would make um, just and fair decisions in ruling um, this country. Lord, we pray that as they make decisions, the effects of those decisions would preserve the freedom um, that Christians have here um, to meet and to worship you freely, um, to express um, Christian belief and truth. Lord, we pray that that wouldn't be limited in the years to come. Lord, as we think of uh, this new king in this country, we remember even more the great king, the true king. Um, although uh, rulers um, in our time come and go and change, Lord, we remember that, that King Jesus um, rules always. Lord, many of us might feel um, a loss uh, and a lack, uh, a loss of um, stability because um, looking at Queen Elizabeth, she just seemed to always be there and we could never imagine a time um, when she was not there. But Lord, we thank you that, that King Jesus is always there. Lord, we thank you that however long um, Elizabeth's uh, rule uh, may have seemed to us, that Jesus is longer and it will never, um, never end. Um, and we praise him this morning. And Lord, we thank you um, for that great king, for, for King Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Peter and Josh. We're going to stand and sing uh, another hymn now, Lord for the Years, a a hymn of prayer really for God uh, to bless our country, to bless us, to bless the world. Lord for the years, your love has kept and guided, urged and inspired us, cheered us on our way, sought us and saved us, pardoned and provided. Lord of the Years, we bring our thanks today. After this, John Fuller's going to uh, take the children's talk, so come up the front children after our next hymn.
Excellent. Okay, I'm just going to talk to you just for a, a couple of minutes now. I wonder how good your memories are. Can anybody remember last time when I was up here what I had with me? Can anybody remember? And a bit of a clue here, it's in here. Jess. A map. Now, can anybody remember what the map was of? Annie. It, well, it did have my family on it, actually. The front. Anything else? What was the map of? Can you remember? Lynn? Snowdonia. Snowdonia and Wales. And last time I was here, I got given this excellent present by my brother-in-law, which I really loved. And he marked lots of places on the map. Actually, Flynn, could you get up here and give me a hand? And Harvey, could you stand on the other side, please? So last time, we had lots of little marks here of places that we intended to go to, but we hadn't been to. And I was saying to you that sometimes we make plans for things, but they don't always go the way we expect them to be. Sometimes God has different plans for us. But can you see anything different on this map this time from last time? In fact, I've got a slide up here. Some of you adults might be able to see a bit better as well. It's not ever so clear. But can you see here, Harvey? What's this here? Can you see? Yellow line. A yellow line. And down here, can you see any lines down here? Yellow lines? Yeah. And a blue one over there. And there's a couple more down here as well. And they were actually the walks that we planned to do that we completed. And every time we completed a walk, me and Simon, my brother-in-law, we'd sit at home the next day and we'd mark the route that we'd done. And we did it and it was fantastic. So you guys can sit down now. Thank you. But these routes that we did, they weren't always easy routes. Some of them were quite tricky. And I've got, I've got one here that we had. So this is us. We were climbing up a, up a mountain. And um, I don't know about you, but I am not very good at looking at stuff and thinking, how am I going to get up there when I'm on a mountain or on a hill? It just really confuses me. I'm really, really, I like, I don't know how we're going to get up there. But what was brilliant, Simon had plotted the route out for us the night before. So each time we went on a different route, Simon had plotted it out where we were going to go to. He knew exactly where we had to be and what route we had to take. And Simon would always lead the way. So sometimes I was like, how are we going to get up over that ridge? How are we going to get up through here? I can't see a way up there. He would say to me, don't worry, and he would take us up, and he would lead us up. And each time we went on a walk with um, Simon, we always reached our final destination, and we got to the place where we wanted to do to get to. And there were some amazing places like this, and there was one place we went to where there was a lake like this on the top of a mountain, and we went for a swim in this reservoir there, and it was fantastic. And you might be thinking, what's this got to do with a children's talk and talking about God here. But it got me really thinking again. So last time when I spoke to you about the map, I was talking about we planned to go on these to these places, but we weren't sure because we hadn't done them yet, and sometimes plans changes. But this time I'm coming to you saying that we did have plans and we did complete the routes because I was being led. I was being led by somebody who knew what they were doing. Now there's someone, Simon's a really great leader, don't get me wrong, but there is somebody that is an even greater guide and a greater leader and Simon. And he's led me through most of my life now, and he's been fantastic. Who do you think that might be, Katie? God and Jesus. Jesus has been my guide, and he's been my leader. And I've had times in my life where I didn't have him as my guide and as my leader in my life when I was younger. And my life has been like those roots. There's bumps, there's ups and downs, there's tricky places. But when I didn't have Jesus as my guide and as my leader in those times, they were really, really bad times for me. I was really sad, I was really upset, I was really lonely. I did things and said things and acted in ways that were really, really not right with God. And I just didn't know what to do. And when I used to go home sometimes, I used to just be in my room sometimes and I was just so down and upset. 
But then Jesus came into my life and he brightened up even the darkest days for me. And I'm not saying that my life's perfect because Jesus has been in my life, but every time I've come to something in my life, an obstacle maybe, I can trust in Jesus to guide me through it and get me to the other side. And I've got a few instances here I'm going to show to you. So up here, you've probably seen this before, but these are my children. They're a little bit bigger. They don't quite look like this now. But if you can see in the corner, each one of my children was born really, really early and really, really premature. And it was a really scary time because me and Steph, we didn't know what was going to happen. And they were in incubators for quite a long time and they had wires all over them and tubes in them. And I thought to myself, you know, if you'd have said to me that I was going to go through that, I'd have thought, how am I going to get through that? That would have been so scary, so tough. But when we went through these times, I had a guide and a helper in Jesus. And those times didn't feel so tough. They didn't feel so worrying because I knew that Jesus was in total control. And I knew that there was going to be these situations in my life, whether good or whether bad, whether scary, and Jesus was going to be in control of it. And if you can see up there, there is a verse up there, and it says, the Lord is my shepherd, um, Psalm 23. And that was a very, very special verse to us when our children were born. Because we knew that Jesus was our shepherd. He was our guide. He was the one in total control. And we knew that Jesus knew what was going to happen with them. We might not have known what the future held with them, but Jesus did, and we trusted in him. And thankfully, they're, they're all here this morning, and they're all healthy, and that's fantastic. But Jesus guided us through that situation, and he helped me through that. And I think that was a wonderful thing, wasn't it, to have a guide like that? Now, I've had other things that have happened into my life that have been sad. I've lost people that I've loved, really loved, and they've passed away, and Jesus has helped me and guided me through those situations, because he's been kind to me, he's comforted me, he's been patient to me, and I know that I can always come to Jesus and he will help me through these tricky situations. And I want you guys to know, because hands up here who's gone, got a, gone to a new school or a new class lately, or you've got a new teacher, yeah, it can be scary sometimes, kind of going into a new class with new teachers, and even things like that. If you put your trust in Jesus and have him as your guide, he will be with you and he will help you and he will guide you through all those different situations. Now, I learned a verse when I first became a Christian that really helped me with this, and it helped me to remember that Jesus is in total control of everything that happens, no matter what. And sometimes we can go off track. Even as Christians, sometimes we can do things that are wrong with God, and we can think, how on earth am I going to get back on track? I feel so lost. But you know, Jesus is so kind, so loving, so compassionate. He wants you to come back to him Ask him for forgiveness, and he wants to help and guide us again on our way. And I learned this first when I I first became a Christian, and it's been so precious to me, and I always use this when things aren't quite the way that I think they're going in life, that I think it should be going. And it's trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your um, straight, straight your paths, or he will direct your paths. And I want you guys to, to remember that Jesus is the greatest guide. He will get you to where you need to be if you put your trust in him. And there will be ups, there will be downs, there will be happy times, there will be sad times. But if Jesus is directing you and you're putting your trust in him, you will get to be exactly where you are. And it says here, trust the Lord with all your heart. Put all your trust in the Lord with your heart. And do not lean on your understanding. Don't think sometimes, I can't understand what's going on here. Because Jesus knows you don't need to worry about that. Put your trust in him. Let him understand what's going on and let him guide you. And he will make straight your paths. 
And I think that's a good verse to remember, isn't it? And a good verse to, to take on board with you. And it's really helped me and it still helps me to this day. Anyway, thank you for listening and you can go back to your, your seats now. Thank you, John. Well, we're going to read from the Bible now. You might be expecting to turn to Colossians, but we are, that's for next week, all being well. We are in Isaiah this morning and chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6 is on page 571. And this is a vision that Isaiah has, uh, a very powerful, vivid vision he has. It also includes um, his commission as God's messenger to be a prophet and the job that God's giving him to do. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. And he said, go and say to this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Then I said, how long, O Lord? And he said, until cities lie in waste without inhabitant and houses without people and the land is a desolate waste. And the Lord removes people far away and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. Well, before John preaches from that chapter for us this morning, we're going to sing another song, a great song about um, the gathering together of all God's people to the throne of God. And uh, are you are you going to be there on that great day? Is that where you're headed? Is that your destination? Through faith in Christ, living a life of repentance, following God. Our goal is to be with Christ forever. There is a higher throne than all this world has known, where faithful ones from every tongue will one day come. Let's sing this together.
the phrase I was going to start with was what a week and it's how the service started and it's how somebody quoted in prayer already what a week we have been through um, I don't know where you were when you heard uh, the news about the Queen's health uh, I flicked on the lunchtime news or just before the lunchtime news and there was a sort of red banner on the BBC about uh, concern over the Queen's health on Thursday, I kept in touch with events, as I expect you did if you heard the news. I uh, heard that the royal family were all heading up to Scotland, and that sounded very ominous as to what was happening. And then we had the, the news from the palace, didn't we, after six o'clock on Thursday. Um, perhaps you saw it, perhaps it showed up on your phone, or somebody told you quickly of the news of the passing of our Queen, uh, and for me, an extra thought came into my mind as I heard about our house. Should it affect our service on Sunday? How will things develop? And as you've heard, uh, Colossians has now been delayed for a week. And uh, there was a verse that came to my mind when I heard the news about the Queen's house before the announcement from the palace of her passing. And uh, it seemed to me that that verse would be a good verse for us this Sunday morning. Uh, It's Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1. I hope it will help you this morning. I hope it might stay in your mind in years to come. Perhaps that's a bit ambitious, but uh, when in future you remember the passing of Queen Elizabeth... Maybe for some of you as well, you say, yes, and Sunday morning after that, we thought about Isaiah 6 verse 1, didn't we? Here is Isaiah 6 and verse 1. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. Isaiah is a great Old Testament book. It's been called the Gospel of Isaiah. In chapter 6 we have his commissioning, or some see it as his recommissioning. Um, Some of what happens here is unique to him. Um, He's called as God's God's spokesman to a a straying nation, the straying nation of Judah. Uh, Britain and other countries nowadays are are not in the same position as the Old Testament people of God and uh, kings and monarchs are different from their monarchs. But there are elements of what happens here which seem to me fit well to our situation at the moment And it may well be just helpful to bring that out and bring that to bear on us as we face what is for us a a unique and uh, an unparalleled situation. I want you to notice the, the setting of the situation, the setting of what we're looking at in this chapter. And it's partly the setting which caught my mind It starts in verse 1, in the year that King Isaiah died. It's an experience that um, Isaiah had uh, when um, a monarch died. And I think it's more than just a date marker. 
I think it is significant to what he experiences as a, a background and so on. I think it can be um, helpful for us this morning as it fits in some ways our background. If you, track, if you track Isaiah in the Bible, he's also called Azariah sometimes, you'll find a number of things. Um, he started to be a, a king at a young age. He was just 16 when he became king, Isaiah. Must have seemed almost a, a boy. And you've seen the videos of our queen as a young lady entrusted with that responsibility at such uh, an early stage. Um, Isaiah reigned for a long time, this king who had died in this verse, uh, 52 years. One of the longest reigns you have of those kings in the Bible. Uh, when Isaiah passed away, everyone under 52 said, we haven't had this before. We haven't had the death of a monarch before. We haven't had one move, pass on, in the same way as all of us below 70 are saying the same thing at this time. Uh, Isaiah was largely a good king. Um, In Chronicles, you do find out about an episode of Pride, uh, which had its consequences, it left him uh, unwell and isolated towards the end of his life. So there were some failings, but the summary you have in 2 Kings and verse 15, uh, chapter 15 and verse 2 and 3 is this. He was 16 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the eyes of the law of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. And like many of you, I think that our Queen has been a gift from God, and we've been giving thanks for that gift this morning. We've been praising God for that gift this morning. The tributes have flown in um, from around the world and um, sometimes tributes can be quite hollow, but I don't sense that at the moment, do you? I don't think these are just sort of hogwash, nice words to say. I think there's a genuineness about so much of what has been said the last few days. Charles said yesterday that her reign was unequalled in its duration, its dedication and its devotion. And there's a lot of truth in that, isn't there? Isaiah was a largely good king. He passed. We have had a, a very good queen who has passed. It was a time of advancement as well. Um, Chronicles tells us of expansion, of building product, projects, of military strength, of agricultural success. Well, there's been mixed things happen through the reign of Queen Elizabeth, but uh, I think that it is a reign in which, in many ways, again, God in his grace has blessed us far more than we deserve. And then Isaiah's reign comes to an end. It is finished. There is a funeral. There is national mourning. Uh, The figurehead is gone. There's a transition to a new situation. And that's what we feel and reflect on at this situation. But God was still at work. And Isaiah here in this chapter 
is called to his ministry and it's very significant how it starts. And we move on to the sight, the vision that Isaiah has. At that time, at that upheaval, at that sense of loss, in that situation, Isaiah gains a, a glimpse of something remarkable. And although we're not in exactly the same situation, Isaiah, Isaiah you've got Isaiah and Isaiah, it's a bit confusing here this morning, isn't it? I suggest that uh, what happened to I, Isaiah is something that will be very good for us at this time. It was something that was very reassuring to Isaiah in all the changes. And I think it can be very reassuring to us at this time. It can be very helpful for us as we go forward. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. He sees the Lord. There's something exceptional about it. Humans can't normally cope with a vision for God, of God. But his eyes are taken to God in his wonderful glory. The, the gap of an earthly king is replaced with a vision and a realisation of, of the heavenly king. And I think that would be a good thing for many across the nation at this time. It would be a good thing for us at this time. If our sights were taken to a sight of the eternal king in all his glory. Maybe you have felt particularly unsettled this week. Maybe you'd say, actually it's knocked me more than I thought it would. I'd encourage you to look higher. Uh, maybe some are, are floundering a bit. It's been like that, hasn't it? The, uh, the, the Prime Minister talked about the Queen Elizabeth as the, the rock over so many years. And in some ways she has been like that. And, and as she has been taken away, perhaps you find yourself a little bit all over the place. Then look to the rock the eternal God, in your fluctuating situation. I think it would be a good thing if at this time there was a widespread turning to that constant stability that is above our national monarch, the Lord of heaven and earth. It would be a good thing if we could say, in the week that Queen Elizabeth died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. Well, what aspects were revealed to Isaiah in that situation, in that setting, as he saw the Lord, which may help us, which we need to grasp. There are a number of things in what happens in this chapter. He sees his highness. He sees his highness. I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high 
and lifted up. He sees God's glory and God's majesty. Now we don't, we don't tend to think in terms quite like the imagery we have here today. So it takes us perhaps a, a little while to, to get into it. But the throne is, is high. It's lifted. It's big. It, you have a sense of authority and importance and stability and majesty as he sees this throne. And it's not a little throne. It's high and it's lifted up. And he sort of gasps as a sense at the awesomeness of what he sees. And the train, it carries on in verse 1, of his robe filled the temple. The train was a symbol of majesty. It flowed from the robe. When Princess Diana... Uh, was uh, at her wedding, that's William and Harry's mum. She was married in 1981 and her train was 25 foot long. But more than that, the veil attached to her tiara was 153 yards long. And as you had the aerial view from St Paul's Cathedral, I think we're talking about, downwards, it was... It was impressive and awesome to have such a long train or veil behind. It gave the impression of importance and awesomeness. And here, the train of the vision of the Lord isn't just a dragging behind, isn't just a 25-footer, or it's not just a 150-yarder. It says, the train of his robe filled the temple It's as if the sign of majesty is everywhere and it's uncontainable. And Isaiah has a view of God in his utter holiness and majesty. The angelic hosts, the angelic beings are present on the scene. The burning ones, as they're called. And they're covering themselves in sort of protection perhaps, in deference to the glory of God which they see as they have this view of him in his holiness. Above stood the seraphim, verse 2, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. Sense of awe and lowliness, Uh, amazement of being in the presence of somebody just so important. Later in the book of Isaiah, you have the Lord referred to as the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity. The eternal king who reigns immortal when even the best of royals and presidents have been and gone. He has a view of the Lord in his highness. And that's a good thing for us to grasp at this time. He has a view of the Lord in his holiness. The angels are calling to one another. What are they saying to one another? Verse 3. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. 
emphasis in the Bible languages, in Hebrews here, is often achieved by repetition. Um, We experience it a a bit, but it's not quite the same in our language. But if somebody says, stop, stop, you know they mean it. Or if somebody says, I was so, so pleased to see you, there's an emphasis there. And here you have in the Bible something which is very, very rare. You have a triple repetition which is really sort of doubling up, it's more than doubling up, which is really building up, culminating up the sense of intensity and the weight of what they're saying as they experience this vision of the glory of God. They have to say something holy, and they have to say it twice, holy, holy. They have to say it three times, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Holy, the Lord is so different. The Lord is so far above. The Lord is so special. The Lord is so pure. The Lord is so glorious. And he's so much that that it needs to be said three times. Holy, holy, holy. Overwhelmed with a sense of the holiness of God. And the whole thing is very visible and felt. I remember going to a theme park as a family many years ago and there was one of the experiences which was described as a 4D experience. So it was 4D because the film that we watched was... 3D, so we would have had our goggles on and we saw it in 3D. But it was more than 3D, it was 4D. And that's because at uh, points in the presentation, the the floor shook under you. And at another point in the presentation, smoke started to come out of holes around your seat. So it was a really multimedia experience. It was high on the sort of sensory impact. And here... At, as God's glory is conveyed and demonstrated, it's like, if, if you like, it's 4D, it's high sensory impact. Verse 4, and the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. As I have this just overwhelming sense of God's highness and glory. And that's, that's always something we need and it will be a good thing for us to have at this time. And Isaiah reacts to this experience of God's glory. Um, a few weeks ago, I don't know if you remember, maybe the children remember, um, Mark told uh, the children about um, the experience of the England football captain when uh, England won the World Cup back in 1966. It was Bobby Moore. And as he went up to collect the cup, um, it was the Queen in the royal box who was going to present it to him. He had to go up the 39 steps to collect the cup from her. 
And because she was wearing pure white gloves, he became very aware of how dirty he was. So there was the moment. England have won the World Cup. It's, it's a sort of national thing. It was an international thing. And his preoccupation at that moment was how dirty he was. And he wants to try and clean his hands because he sees somebody in front of him who is so majestic and pure. And Isaiah, in this experience, confronted by the holiness of God, says this in verse 5. And he said, Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of the people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He's he's silenced, he's broken, he feels unravelled at the awareness of God's holiness and the reflection of his dirtiness. And grasping God's holiness will have that effect on us. I'm not sure we feel it. Well, I don't think we feel it. I don't think I feel it enough, and I suspect you might feel the same. We don't grasp that enough, react to it enough. You know, sometimes you say things, and uh, maybe make a joke or a comment, and uh, you think nothing of it, and then you find that somebody else listening in, somebody else in the room, somebody of importance, somebody you respect, and then you sort of think differently about what you've just said. You know, oh, did I say that? Your, your joke, your, your unkind word, you, you see it in a different light and you suddenly feel very aware. And so Isaiah, seeing the majesty and highness of God, he suddenly feels as though his lips are unclean and dirty and... and and so we should before God's holiness. We think of God's holiness, we think of what said yesterday, and said, actually was that boasting? Actually was that full of pride? It was, wasn't it? Actually was that, was that, was that as true as it should have been? Uh, my lips have been saying things which are unkind, Have I been gossiping about that person who's getting on my nerves? Have my jokes sometimes been dirty and immoral? Is pride filling my heart and just spilling out? Was what I said actually just so unselfish? It it was in a different light now and it's as if with the beam of God's holiness it all starts to look different and what was uh, sort of just passed by before now comes before him as he senses his uncleanness and he says, woe is me, I feel feel the subject of a curse really. I feel in danger, woe is me for I am undone. His highness, his holiness, both good things for us to really grasp as we have a glimpse of the Lord. But thankfully we can move on to this third one, which is his grace. Which is his grace. So when we think we've said something wrong, when we feel embarrassed that somebody important, dignified, uh, pure has heard our 
comments. Um, we, we feel exposed and we feel bad and we feel ashamed and uh, immediately we want to rectify the situation. We, we wish we hadn't said it. We want to put it right. We perhaps want to apologise. We want to uh, speak to the person who was there and, and feel a sense of their warmth towards us despite the things we've been saying. And so for there, Isaiah, well, well, let me quote, I wondered about quoting this, I will quote it, I think. It's a book called The Holiness of God by R.C. Sproul and describes very vividly Isaiah's situation. This is how he puts it. Isaiah was groveling on the floor. Every nerve fibre in his body was trembling. He was looking for a place to hide, praying that somehow the earth would cover him or the roof of the temple would fall upon him. Anything to get him out from under the holy gaze of God. But there was no Nowhere to hide. He was naked and alone before God. He had no Eve to comfort him, no fig leaves to conceal him. He was pure moral. He was in pure moral anguish, the kind that rips out the heart of a man and tears his soul to pieces. Guilt, 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 relentless guilt screamed from his every pore. The holy God is also a God of grace. He refused to allow his servant to continue on his belly without comfort. He took immediate steps to cleanse the man and restore his soul. Verse 6, an angel does something wonderful. Verse 6, 7. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Why should a hot coal do it? It was symbolic, really, of burning away, I think, of burning away what was not wanted, of, of, of cleansing, you know, for difficult stains you have the higher temperatures, don't you? And this is hot and it does the job of getting rid of something that feels so dirty to his soul and his inner being. The guilt is taken away. His sin is atoned for, it, it's dealt with, it's covered. This God of greatness is also a God of grace. And the whole experience of God in his glory here points us to God's Son. In fact, John says as much in John chapter 12 and verse 41. Isaiah said these things because he saw the glory, the glory of Jesus, and spoke of him. And the Queen, uh, despite her uprightness and despite her majesty, knew that Jesus was God's way of forgiveness. He knew that he was the, the place that sin and shame could be dealt with. In her Christmas Day message of 2011, she said this, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. Although we are capable of great acts of kindness... History teaches us that we sometimes need saving from ourselves, from our recklessness or our greed. 
God sent into the world a unique person, neither a philosopher nor a general, important though they are, but a saviour with the power to forgive. Forgiveness lies at the heart of the Christian faith. The cult was from the altar. The altar was a place of sacrifice. God's son, Jesus, went to the place of sacrifice on the cross. And it's through him and what he did there that unclean lips can be cleaned and that prostrate people can be stood up and comforted because God is a God of grace who forgives through sacrifice, the sacrifice of his own son. And then the last thing in this chapter to pick up, the sight, the vision, the experience that he has was his commission. Now we've been remembering uh, this morning and the last few days that we've lost a monarch who had an extraordinary sense of duty. Um, Since the earliest days of Queen, in fact before she was Queen, I think it was in uh, the the, the Jubilee service we had here, I think we played a clip of what she said, her acts of, uh, her intention of devotion that she said early in her twenties. She has felt a sense of mission to serve God and others. And here, in this chapter, Isaiah, impressed by the King of Kings, experiencing his highness and his holiness and his grace, feels a sense of compulsion to be available to the King of Kings to serve. In verse 6 you have... The Lord, in verse 8, you have the Lord posing a question. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah, blessed with an experience of the majesty and the grace of God, pipes up in verse 8 and says, Here am I, send me. And he set a difficult task. You see it as the chapter goes on are speaking to a wayward people who would prove very unresponsive to his message. But he is willing to go and he is willing to serve the monarch, the king, the king of kings. And you know that sense of willingness is a suitable response for us as we think of the king of kings. Now I imagine that if any of you had spoken to the Queen and you'd been asked to do something by her, maybe some of you have, I don't know if any of you have, but maybe if you had, I imagine that you would have felt honoured and you would have felt deeply privileged that somebody in such high office combined with somebody whose character and kindness and trustworthiness is so admirable, that if the Queen had asked you to do something, you you would have done it. None of us would have said, well, who does she think she is? She's not going to get me doing one of her jobs. Without me serving the Queen, or maybe rolled it on, King Charles, me serving the... So how much more? 
when we catch a glimpse of the greatest monarch, the high one, the holy one, the gracious king of kings, should there be a willingness to serve and to follow. I hope if you were ever asked to do something by a monarch, you would sort of, you wouldn't say, here am I, send me, but you'd say, certainly, yes please. Is that how you feel this morning as you think of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Here am I, send me. Someone so high, so holy, so gracious. Count me in, give me my job. I just want to serve you and I feel privileged to do it. So, we, we end a, a week of uh, great sadness, um, yet thankfulness. Uh, the year when Queen Elizabeth has died, a time for reflection, a time for mourning, a time for prayer. But I also hope that it's been a, will prove a time when we rise up to gain a glimpse of the greatest monarch in his glory. There may be something about it that in the week that Queen Elizabeth died, I saw the Lord on a throne, high and lifted up. And I said, here am I, send me. Let's just allow a few seconds for personal prayer and response and then we'll sing our last hymn. Well, being in Isaiah 6, perhaps it's no surprise that we end our morning service with this hymn. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning our song shall rise to thee. Shall we sing our last
Oh Lord our God, we pray that in this most eventful of weeks for us as a nation, you would help us and many to have our sights turned above to the eternal King. Help us to grasp more a sense of your highness and your holiness and your grace. And may we respond with a willingness to be servants of the great and glorious King, we pray. All this we ask through Jesus Christ. Amen.